logos and names and mascots. Oh my. Episode 36. We're looking at some of them around the Cincinnati-Dayton area. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, an adventure taking you through the terrain of Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Pocket Cast, Acast, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Radio Public, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbay.fm, Listen Notes, TheLeeWMallon.com, and the host, GemCitySports.com. Music is provided by FreestockMusic.com. Now, please join your host for another exciting episode of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, Lee W. Mallon. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of episode 36, there's a couple things I'd like to cover first. First up, congratulations go out to the following boys basketball state champions. Three of the four call Southwest Ohio home. If you like splitting hairs, then fine. Two of them call Southwest Ohio home, and one of them, you can make the argument, it's West Central Ohio. But because this school's in the Miami Valley, they're part of Southwest Ohio to me. Therefore, they're part of the three out of the four. So congrats go out to the Marion Local Flyers. They're the D4 state champs in boys basketball. D3 with an undefeated season. The Wildcats of Deer Park. Division 1 winners, the Crusaders of Muller. And the D2 runners-up, Trotwood Madison. Congrats go out to all four schools. It's a very big deal. When you get to the final, Dropwood had a really, really crushing semifinal run. Got to hear it on ESPN 1410 while doing some errands, actually. That was quite nice to hear local sports on local radio. But still, big deal. I mean, four schools of Southwest Ohio make the final of the boys' basketball. And there's some good, there's some good squads out there. So congrats go out to the state title winners and Trotwood Madison as the runners-up. Hold your heads up proud, my friends. You've done well. Second, uh, just a little addendum to the whole G-Walk spiel. If you don't know, there's a thing that there's going to be a split of the G-Walk, and now there's going to be one more school leaving. Well, possibly. The Lebanon Warriors out of central Warren County, they're looking at possibly joining the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. Now, the funny thing is, this would be a reunion of sorts for Lebanon, because back in the day, by back in the day I mean early 2000s, the Warriors were part of the Fort Ancient Valley Conference, the FAVC or the FAFC, not to be confused with the FARV. But no, the Fort Ancient Valley Conference, a conference very similar to the Greater Western Ohio Conference, where you had a big chunk of schools in three divisions, and 
unlike the G-Walk, they're all from the Cincinnati area. I think the northernmost school was Kings? Kings Mill? Kings Island area? I don't think Morrow's north of Kings Island. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about this. and Well, the whole thing is, eventually, once the FAVC collapsed, uh, several schools uh, started the Eastern Cincinnati Conference, or several schools jumped into other conferences. Southwest Ohio Conference is one of them that I remember about. Uh, seven schools from the old FAVC made the Eastern Cincinnati Conference. One wanted to join in. That would be Winton Woods and the Warriors by the Forest Fair area. And they were denied. And there was a huge thing about it. It's almost kind of like the tale of, you know, Trotwood being left behind because they're going to be the only American Division squad in the G-Walk that's not being invited to the new squad. But unlike Winton Woods, who they were independent for a couple years, Trotwood's been invited to stay with the G-Walk schools. And like I mentioned, Lebanon, this would be sort of a reunion from all those years ago. After leaving the Fort Ancient Valley Conference in, I think, the 2001-2002 school year, they joined the Mid-Miami League, and that league folded a couple years after that, and Lebanon, along with Miamisburg, got into the G-Walk. I think Monroe was in there. Carroll was in there. I don't remember much of the Mid-Miami League. All I remember is Miamisburg was in it, Lebanon too, as I'm talking about it. Monroe actually went into the Southwest Southwestern Buckeye League, excuse me, the SWBL after that, and I remember Monroe was still part of the MML when they handed Valley View that big playoff loss in Princeton my senior year. Yeah, that was a game. It was a good game for the Hornets. But, anyway, Lebanon looking into the ECC as possibly their new conference home. Third of all, Dayton Dragons have released their roster. Yay! You can look on Twitter at Dragons Baseball, or if you follow me, the Lee W. Mallon, which I highly recommend you do. I retweet all those. Uh, some names, you know, Hunter Green might stick out, you know, since he was a first-rounder for the Reds. He is, what, 18 years of age and can throw the ball 100-plus type of thing. I can't wait to see Green pitch. He's going to be a starting pitcher for the Dragons. Some other names that are interesting. Former UIC Flame, Connor Ryan, part of the bullpen, I believe, for the Flames. He'll be part of the Dragon squad last year. Drafted by the Reds, went to Billings, led the Mustangs in appearances with 15, and really pitched well. Had one bad stretch. But other than that, very, very spot on. And he's familiar with Dayton, as you might know, UIC part of the Horizon League. The foe in Dayton, Ohio, the Wright State Raiders, he was the one to seal the deal for the Flames to get to the big dance in college baseball a couple of years ago. So Connor Ryan, part of it, also the second Flame in the Cincinnati Farm System. The other one would be catcher Kevin Coddington, which... I was asking this on the first take I did because I didn't realize the blue microphone wasn't selected on this process. I know you don't want to hear it, but Connington was a catcher for the Dragons, and I don't remember what happened to him after his Dragon years. So Dayton's opening day is Thursday in Bowling Green, Kentucky, to 
games at the Hot Rods, and then opening day here in Dayton is this Saturday, which would be the 7th, and that will be Saturday, Sunday, for the Dragons hosting Bowling Green, and then the Lake County Captains come rolling in. Dayton, the single-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds in the Midwest League, Bowling Green, single-A of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Lake County, single-A of the Cleveland Indians. In fact, their stadium is about 30 or so minutes, miles, east, and Eastlake. Now you know. No, but uh, opening day for minor league baseball is very, very soon. If you're a Reds fan, which you might be, you might not be, Nick Senzel's in AAA Louisville, I have to assume he'll get the call up to Cincinnati eventually this season, rather be late in the year or maybe towards the All-Star break. That's what I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't have really any info in the Cincinnati Reds front office. And speaking of the Reds, 0-3 start to the season. Uh, 2-0 loss on Friday after opening day got rained out. <laughs> Funny that. Let me start a podcast talking about how much I hate the rain we've had these past few weeks because it's cost me several games. No, I won't talk about that. Uh, Cincinnati lost 2-0 to Washington, 13-7 on Saturday, and 6-5 on Sunday, yesterday, because that's when I'm recording this. Tough sweep for the Reds. I still have hope. I'm not predicting World Series champs, but I'm not predicting 100 losses as well. The bats are starting to pick up. They've scored, what, 11, 12 runs in the last two games. Held quiet in the first game, but that's Max Scherzer. You know, he's a pretty good pitcher. He's pretty good at his job. But... Scooter Jeanette went 4-for-4 four four against them, or against the Nationals that day, I suppose. But still, three games in, Chicago Cubs are up next, and I think the Pittsburgh Pirates are right behind the Cubbies. So baseball, professional and minors, it's here. College baseball, the Dayton Flyers fell in their first Atlantic 10 series, beat George Mason in the first game of the doubleheader, 15-9, lost in the second game, 9-2, and then... Went on to beat the Flyers 17-2 yesterday in a pretty lopsided affair. Things started off well for the Flyers yesterday, but then George Mason hung a 7 spot on the 4th inning, and things kind of tumbled from there. Flyers, I think, are a very fun team. They're a good bunch of guys, and you should come out to Warner Field, not just because I'm the PA announcer, but it's good baseball, it's a good team, I know these boys are looking to do well this season. Over on the other side of Dayton, Wright State, 6-3, and three, tied for first in the Horizon League. They took two out of three from Oakland and Milwaukee at home, making that four of six, and recently took two out of three at Highland Heights, Kentucky, the home of the Norse of Northern Kentucky. And... I mentioned tied for first, yes, and your guess might be the UIC Flames, the Wright State Raiders and the UIC Flames, historically the top two teams in the Horizon League for baseball. Milwaukee's in there from time to time. Norfolk, Kentucky's got a good squad. Oakland, Youngstown State, that's your sixth. There's not a lot of teams in the Horizon League for baseball. Hopefully that changes. If you believe in rumors, you know, you might already know. But the Raiders are not tied for first with UIC. 
You see, the Flames went to Youngstown State this weekend, and they were swept by the Penguins. Penguins picked sixth in the Horizon League. Six of six. The Penguins are tied for first with the Wright State Raiders. And that's the next home series for Wright State to continue Horizon League play. That's middle of the month. But first, the Raiders have the trip to Chicago to take on the University of Illinois at Chicago Flames. It's not Illinois-Chicago. Stop writing it like that. It's UIC or University of Illinois at Chicago. (sighs) Rant over. No, but uh, yeah, it's a great start. Uh, Softball for Wright State is first place. They took two out of three at home against IUPUI. Their next series, which was supposed to be last week, but let me tell you about the weather. No, there's podcasts for that. I'm sure there are. Wright State is at Northern Kentucky, but that series might be switched. So, WSU Softball Stadium, come see the Raiders play. The Flyers swept St. Bonaventure and St. Louis, or lovingly known as SLU around here. They will be at UD Softball Stadium this upcoming week. I think I cover Wright State and UD fairly well. That's all I wanted to talk about. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of episode 36, I must be hungry because that's the second time I said that. Logos, names, and nicknames. So, just a little preview on this. I happen to be a nerd that likes logos. Likes looking at color schemes of teams, jerseys, nicknames, mascots, what have you. See, most sports fans look at how well they're doing, players they like, you know, that type of thing. Me, I like that too, but I also like thinking about the names. So, there was a couple things that popped up in my mind. I tried doing a little bit of research, and I can't really find any history. Uh, If you're confused, I'll go ahead and give you an example. So, I mentioned Youngstown State. They're tied for first in college baseball with Wright State and Horizon League at 6-3. and So the Penguins' name is quite interesting because this happens to be from a newspaper call about the Penguins' football game. And the writer happened to mention that the fans look like penguins in their scarves and hats. So Youngstown State ran with it, and they became the Penguins. Pretty neat. And that's the only Penguins squad in NCAA, I believe. Maybe all college sports, I'm not sure. But uh, Youngstown State, definitely the only Penguins in Division 1. Now, you, if you didn't know the story like I did, I remember that because that's one of my favorite stories, you'd be like, well, does Youngstown have a lot of Penguins in Ohio? I wouldn't know. I've never been to Youngstown. They have Phantoms. It's a youth hockey team they have. And I think that's the same company that makes the fireworks. Maybe the pizza, too, in the Dayton Mall. I'm not sure. You just ever think about where these names come from? And I can already tell I don't have ESP or psychic abilities. You're going, no, you nerd, stop talking about this. Where's my real episode? Well, if you don't like this episode, wait next week, episode 37, which might be cool. Might have an interview for you. I always wonder where names come from. I like UD's name, the Flyers, because Dayton, Ohio is the birthplace of Orville and Wilbur Wright. And they kind of made flight. Take that, North Carolina. That's our thing. Get your own thing. Pretty good at that college basketball thing. Well, not this year because, you know, neither Duke or UNC are in it. It's uh, Villanova, Michigan, in case you haven't heard. You just look at the names and wonder what's the history behind them. Flyers, you know, represents the 
history of flight in Dayton, the Dayton Bombers, because of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base being one of the largest employers in the Dayton area, you know, Stealth Bombers, and Dayton Stealth Youth Hockey, that's kind of taking the name Bombers and kind of continuing the tradition of, hey, we got Wright-Pat, we got Stealth Bombers, that's pretty cool. Cincinnati Reds name, I mean, that's pretty cool. Uh, based on the first professional team, the Cincinnati Red Stockings, which moved and I believe it's now the Boston Red Sox, it's the Reds 2.0. I mean, back in the 50s, they were called the Cincinnati Red Legs, and that was because of the fear of communism in the United States. Joe McCarthy, Soviet Union, all that, you know. I'm not trying to give you a history lesson here, although I probably will throughout this episode. So, again, if you don't like the premise of this, that's okay. I'll wait for you next week. The Cleveland Browns, Paul Brown, of course. Dayton Dragons, well, I don't think Dayton was a birthplace of dragons. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I don't know everything. I mean, some names don't have to have thing of history. There's a basketball team in town, the Dayton Air Strikers, you know. Again, Stealth Bombers, because their logo was literally Stealth Bombers flying out, dropping basket bombs. Yes, I said basket bombs, you know, basketball and bombs. I'm sorry, I'm being patronizing, too. Just think of some of the names around here. I mean, the high schools, too. Miamisburg Vikings, Valley View Spartans, Twin Valley South Panthers, Tri-County North Panthers. I mean, really Panthers around Preble County? Springboro Panthers? Warren County? I mean, did Vikings claim Miamisburg and it's like, this mound is ours. One of my ideas of doing episode 36 was just going to be this whole long story of in a world where the Vikings came in down the river and took Miamisburg by storm. But then the Elks, which were on the other side of Miamisburg, said no, and they were the Centerville Elks. Something like that. I, I don't know how long it'd be able to carry that on so I kind of nixed that idea except I didn't it's on the recording as you're listening to right now and then the pirates swam up and went away from the Vikings they claimed West Carrollton theirs like this is our land and the Vikings like fine this is our land this land is your land I'm sorry I mean historically I know Valley View's history and also I saw Tri-Village's history if again Twitter the lead to me Mowen, I have a picture of that from February, talking about the school districts merging. For Valley View, it's Farmersville and Germantown, southwest Montgomery County, middle of nowhere, and once the home of State Route 123 going up to US 35. I'm rambling today, I'm sorry. But uh, Farmersville Cardinals and the Germantown Wildcats, I believe. Actually, Farmersville Wildcats, Germantown Cardinals. I think I mixed that up. I always thought it was the Germantown Gators, but that's a swim program, so no, that's not right. So, how do you get Spartans out of Cardinals and Wildcats? Mm. Like I said, I don't know everything. Around Twin Valley South, that's West Alexandria, Lanier Township, at least. Lanier Township were the Tigers, and actually I went... Tulane Air Township School in 503 when I was in first grade. Don't remember if I ever saw the gymnasium, though. Twin Valley South's the Panthers, but West Alexandria were the Bulldogs, the state champs in track and field back in 1959, and the Lanier Township Tigers. 
How do you get Panthers out of Tiger and Bulldog? And also, you have the history of Twin Valley North and Twin Valley South. You know, Twin Valley North representing Lewisburg. Same color scheme and the mid-80s changing it to Tri-County North because the school district does kind of seep into Montgomery County and Dark County. Not by much, but a little bit in Northeast Preble County. In a world where there's two schools with the same colors and same name, they protect 503 and say, No arrows or no Arcanum Trojans shall pass. There's the Eaton Eagles, too. Eaton and Bellbrook have the same color scheme, and I believe both were known as Golden Eagles when I was in high school. Now Bellbrook's Golden Eagles still, and Eaton's more the Fighting Eagles. Still purple and gold, still Eagles, and not quite on the same road, but close. If you fall 725 long enough and take 122, you get to Eaton. There you go. Though the big rival was Valley View and Bellbrook. Never understood the rivalry, but there you go. You ever wonder just what makes a name? What makes a logo? How much artwork does one have to do to make an identity stick? I'll give you an example. Because there is a school that shares the Viking logo, the same colors, but... There are different sizes and in different places, obviously. I mentioned two schools. Miamisburg and Miami East, I mentioned this from time to time. They are the Vikings. Miami East in the Cross County Conference and the Berg in the G-Walk. Same Viking. Uh, if it's not the colored-in logo of the Viking, it looks cross-eyed, like the right eye's looking over to the right and the center eye's kind of like looking not the same direction. The colored-in logo looks really stunning, actually. I really like the colored-in logo where, you know, the skin's a different color. But Miamisburg also has the oval M logo. The M is not the Michigan one, not the Miami one, not the Mason or Middletown one. It's kind of stretched out, and it's got those little tick marks off the top of the letter. Middletown and Mason's M, they're different colors because, you know, Middletown's purple and white, purple and black, and Mason is green and black and white and different names. Middletown's the Middies, which in their old high school, actually, why am I saying old high school? They still have the same high school. It's a wizard in purple casting magic. There's other things that people have told me what a Middie is, and no. I think it was uh, Midshipman. I think that's what it was short for, if I remember. And Mason's the Comets. And I don't think Mason, Ohio is the birthplace of Comets crashing in. Like, Comet! <laughs> I, I, I probably lost all my listeners by now, but... Down towards Cincinnati, around the Westchester, Liberty Township area, you got two Lakotas, Lakota East, Lakota West. West is the Firebirds, and East are the Thunderhawks. Even though the school districts are north and south, high schools at least, Lakota East is right off 75 before the 129 ramp. You can see the high school, and then you can see the big Cincinnati Children's Westchester branch. Lakota West is kind of tucked away on Union Central. It's not too far from 75. It's also the same exit you go to Ikea. 
unless you like long detours like I do, then, you know, you go a different route. But Firebirds are red and black, and the Thunderhawks, I believe, are black and white, I believe. Not 100% sure on that, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of, there's a lot of names, there's a lot of logos out there that I just wonder where the history's from. There's also a lot of political correctness going on in logos. I mean, the latest one I'd have to say is North Dakota, no longer the Fighting Sioux after the tribe. It's the Fighting Hawks. That was a long battle, and then North Dakota eventually lost that. There's been a couple other instances. Um, Wright State, as you know, once had a Viking to represent the Raiders' name. Now it's a wolf. It is not a squirrel, as Mark Schlemmer always lovingly says. By the way, Mark Schlemmer, still going strong on your radio show. Keep it up, my friend. Oakland University, a Horizon League opponent of Wright State. They're in Rochester Hills, Michigan, not to be confused with Oakland, California. If you imagine the trip. But, hey, maybe they don't have as much rain as we do up here, am I right? No, the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, as they are. Really cool name, cool logo, and they used to have the same font for all their sports. I think they're starting to go away from that, maybe. I know baseball and men's soccer have the same font. It's kind of like that. If you ever seen Wright State's men's soccer font numbers, it's that font. I don't know what it's called. It's, it's weird looking. It's like, it's like a 70s, 80s font type of thing. It leans in, actually leans towards the right on the numbers, but I do love Oakland's baseball jerseys. Well, the Athletics and the Golden Grizzlies because it's the same template. I like, I like, I like that touch. I really do. I mean, the Raiders as an example too. Now, Wright State is named after the Wright brothers. I think that's fairly obvious. The Raiders, however, how do you get Raiders from flight? You can have Vikings jump off planes and rob treasure or something. I don't know. I always thought that'd be a cool logo to have Rowdy Raider the Viking on an airplane type of thing. Actually, the Raiders' name was based off the popularity of Oakland and Green Bay football at the time. I'm not saying they're not popular now, but in the 70s, they were the kings of football. The green and gold scheme came from Green Bay and the Packers, whereas the Raiders' name stuck with Wright State. And there you go. Those type of things. I know on Facebook a long time ago, I actually thought this episode was going to be released sooner than 36, but never mind. I asked people what their favorite logo was. Didn't really have any pick local names. A sportscasting friend, Matt Nelson, picked the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, which is a male chicken, male bird of prey type of thing, I believe. And... One of my co-workers from back then, Jennifer, picked the Indiana Hoosiers. Hoosier, I think, Hoosiers, I think is basing off the old talk of neighbors around Indiana. Like, who's your friend? I, I, I don't know about this. I remember reading a book about enrichment, but there you go. Some couple examples in Richmond. I mean, I 
used to work for a summer collegiate team in the Richmond River Rats. That's based off a, I think, a minor league team back in the 1910s, 1930s, somewhere back in the day. Richmond Roosters was a Frontier League team. That's indie ball. They were a Frontier League team that lasted 10 years, 11 seasons. I mean, Roosters are common. Richmond's not the only place with Roosters. Now it's a restaurant around here, too. I was trying to think if Roosters had a first name, but that's not important. But See, some of the, my favorite logos is just... I can only imagine the time and the dedication of artists and and people that think of that up. I mean, one of my favorite sites and one of my bookmark sites is sportslogos.net. I have just about every logo except Wright State's Viking logo. They they kind of flip-flopped when Wright State was using the big wolf on the rock that had the shape of Ohio carved out on it and the harvest moon, not a setting sun like I always thought it was before I researched it. They do have a lot of logos on here. They don't have Premier League. I think there was a lawsuit about that and it kind of dropped, but just so much history about logos. I mean, if you're a logo nerd like me, which I doubt you are, but there you go, you can look up the history on it. You can look up former logos it's actually really, really neat. I'll pick the Midwest League as an example. Again, sportslogos.net. And it shows you the current teams evolved of the Midwest League. And if you want to see, like, old ones, you click on the team, and there they are. There's only three teams of the past in the Midwest League. The Fort Wayne Wizards from 93 to 2008. Then they became the Tin Caps, a... A, a reference to Johnny Appleseed, real life, died around Fort Wayne, spread Appleseeds, of course, and Apples, the logo is an apple wearing a tin hat, as Johnny Appleseed probably did. I don't know, I didn't know the guy. It's pretty neat. It's a reference to Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Mad Ants, Anthony Wayne. They also have a high school called Fort Wayne Wayne. It's probably just called Wayne in Fort Wayne. I don't know. I've never been to Fort Wayne. But I, every time I see it, it's like, Fort Wayne, Wayne. Cool. There's a couple of uh, generic names in the Midwest League. I mean, the Chiefs. You, the first thought that you might have Native American. And actually, back in the day, yes, their logo was a baseball with the headdress of Indian feathers. But... In the 2000s, I believe, they changed it to a Dalmatian wearing fire chief clothing and wielding a bat because that's what dogs do. The current affiliation of Peoria is the St. Louis Cardinals, affiliated with the Chicago Cubs for a time and have the C on it. And the St. Louis logo is not on this current logo. There's some cool names in the Midwest League, too. I mentioned Dragons. Logo really hasn't changed since the birth of Dayton baseball. Lumber Kings is probably one of my favorite from Clinton, Iowa. Clinton's away jerseys are, they're all right. I mean, they're gray jerseys and they say Clinton on them. Lumber Kings is a reference to the lumber industry back in Eastern Iowa. And Clinton's time in minor league 
Normally, Clinton would just take the names of their parent company, parent company, uh, parent team. So it'd be like Clinton Pilots or Clinton White Sox or, you know, Clinton Mariners, I think. No, actually, no. Scratch that. But you get what I'm saying. And then Clinton finally decided, hey, we're going to have our own name. And it's going to be the Lumber Kings. The current logo is probably the better of the two because the 1994 to 2004 one looks like the guy is swinging a piece of lumber with a nail in it and he kind of looks silly. Whereas the Lumber King of today, he's ready to play baseball. So there you go. Clinton Lumber Kings, that's probably my favorite out of out of state name. Great Lakes Loons. They recently done a logo update. Now their bird has one of those hunting hats with the uh, ear flaps and the flannel, of course. Beloit snappers, uh, turtles. Snappers is pretty neat. And when Beloit's here in Dayton, the click or the music guy will play the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme. So I always like when Beloit's in town. They do have really cool beach blanket jerseys. They're mostly dark navy blue yellow stripes, and then the middle is their shade of green. I love those jerseys. And then the snappers were marks in there. Bowling Green Hot Rods. They were a team when I first started working with the Dragons. They were red, yellow, and black. A couple of years ago, they changed their logo, changed their look, and made it more hot roddy. Hot roddy. That's not a phrase. But no, they made it more mechanic-like. Their alternative logo is a baseball bat and a wrench. Although, to be honest, their old logos were based on, you know, street racers. You know, those type of cars. I like Bowling Green, Kentucky's setup. Their ballpark allegedly looks like a garage, like a classic car shop, so that's pretty cool. Bees of Burlington, Iowa also shares the name, not the logo, with... Salt Lake City, AAA of the Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles now. Bees, I think... Oh, I don't know. They were part of the Angels. Actually, they might be Angels now. Now that I think about it, because I think Cedar Rapids was... Which are the Colonels, which, you know, corn. How can you how can you hate a logo that's corn? That's pretty cool. Lugnuts of Lansing, even though the logo is not a lugnut. A lugnut is... The thing that you screw on to make sure that it stays. This one is, you know, one of the screws that you screw like a tire to keep it on. Lake County Captains, that's pretty cool. They're kind of phasing off the Captain's head logo. He kind of looks like Ollie from Ollie's Bargain Outlet. Good stuff, cheap, you know. Uh, Kane County Cougars. You know, Cougars is a fairly common name. But their recent logo update's pretty nice. River Bandits of Quad Cities. That's in eastern Iowa as well. Modern Woodman Park. Uh, you might know the ballpark because they have a Ferris wheel overlooking the Mississippi. But once known as the swing of the Quad Cities to kind of bring the heritage of jazz out. It didn't last. Their jerseys were, what was it, Texas Longhorn Orange with uh, baby blue numbers. I think that was some of their logos, or some of their jersey looks. And one number was smaller than the second number, which uh, is a big no-no, because we need to see the numbers. 
But River Bandits is pretty cool. South Bend used to be the Silverhawks until the Chicago Cubs came in. Now it's the South Bend Cubs. Logo's neat. I'm just not a big fan of, you know, minor league teams taking on, you know, their parents' name. I mean, if you think about it, Silverhawks was based on the type of car that was made in South Bend, Indiana. Pontiac Silverhawk. And I thought that was cool. They had a jersey with the old Silverhawk car emblem on it. It was green, which I don't remember what the historical reason that was. But the Silverhawk emblem was silver. That was really cool. I'm not saying I don't like the South Bend Cubs name. All I'm saying is, you know, Silverhawks was cool. Had a team called the Michigan Battle Cats. There's also the Southwest Michigan Yankees, but I'm not seeing that on here. West Michigan Whitecaps. I like the Whitecaps name. It's talking about not the cap on the head, but the caps on a river. And the West Michigan Whitecap, their old logo kind of looked like the city of Miamisburg's old logo, but I'll, you know, not talk about that. The current one is a big wave eating a baseball. I think that's pretty cool. I'm not going to go through all the logos of Cincinnati and Dayton. That'll bore you. If you want to do that yourself, sportslogos.net. I mean, if you want me to, maybe I can make Logos Part 2, The Next Generation, something like that. But it's just, there's a lot of creativity out there in sports. A lot of great names. I mean, one of the latest updates to sportslogos.net, as I'm looking, is a team called the Chicago Dogs, based on hot dogs. How can you not like that? It's the American Association, so again, Indie Ball. The secondary logo is literally a red hot dog with four Chicago stars, just like the women's soccer team, the Chicago Red Stars, and a blue bun. Now, of course, if you're eating a blue bun, that's probably moldy. Don't eat it, but I love the name, Chicago Dogs. There's a lot of greatness out in sports about logos and everything. And... There's a there's a tradition that's going on. I, I shouldn't say tradition, but a I guess a type of there's a new thing in sports where there's already a couple minor league teams changing or creating teams and turning them into food. For example, there are the Macon Bacon, Macon, Georgia. Come on, Macon Bacon. I like the Macon Mayhem, though, in the Southern Professional Hockey League. That's single eye down in Georgia. I like that name. I'm not crazy about Macon Bacon. Really not. Yes, it rhymes. Yes, it's cute. Yes, you can literally just put a picture of bacon on a hat and sell it. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm, I'm honestly not. You can hate me for not liking it. Whatever. The Jacksonville Suns were, you know, a long team. And then they changed to Jumbo Shrimps. Stop naming your teams after food. I don't come to sports to talk about teams and food, and then I get hungry and I get mad, which is not the team's fault, but you get what I'm saying. Another one, the Zeppers of New Orleans. Now the Baby Cakes of New Orleans, and their logo was kind of frightening. I believe that's Pacific Coast League. It's AAA. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Baby Cakes of New Orleans. There's a couple of squads in Pacific Coast, I'll stay AAA, that have taken their parents' name, Iowa Cubs, Oklahoma City Dodgers, used to be the Red Hawks of OKC, Redbirds of Memphis, that's kind of talking about the Cardinals, but there's a lot of Redbirds out there. There's some neat names on there, too. 
Omaha Storm Chasers. I love that name. I mentioned the Salt Lake Bees. Didn't think I'd come back to it. River Cats of Sacramento. That's pretty cool. Round Rock Express. Sysock. Sky Sox Baseball out of Colorado Springs. Chihuahuas of El Paso. I love it. They they do a lot of great stuff with their logo. Fresno Grizzly, Grizzlies. And now this podcaster has lost the ability to talk. Wonderful. I think it was Fresno that had a day where they just changed into food. It was like, well, there you go. We're now a food team for a day. We look at the International League. Just talk AAA. I like the Columbus Clippers name. There's a lot of history about AAA Columbus. Longest stretch with the New York Yankees. Two years with the Washington Nationals. Columbus kind of took their script, their old script, before they went cursive W. And then went to the Cleveland Indians and the Clippers kind of took it from there. Last few seasons, the Clippers have done a really nice job talking about former Columbus, Ohio teams that played there. There's the Columbus Jets. They show off their Columbus Clippers old logos. That's the ones I remember with the rounded C, kind of like the Cubs C, except it's a little bit different. You don't have lippers in there, you know, C and then Clippers. Yeah. Louisville Bats, you know, Bats carrying a bat. I love their new logo. Mud Hens of Toledo, that's a cool name. Rail Riders, not to be confused with the Rail Raiders, a triple, I'm just going to say triple A, but a AHL team that was scheduled to play in Cincinnati, then it just didn't happen after the Mighty Ducks of Cincinnati. Another example of teams taking their parent name, Anaheim. Man, I remember those radio commercials for Mighty Ducks. I wasn't a sports fan back then. <gasps> I know, I wasn't a sports fan for a long time as a child. But no, I just remember the radio commercials of Mighty Ducks. And I always thought they were talking about, like, there's a cartoon in Cincinnati. Like, wow, that's neat. Some other names I find neat. Iron Pigs, Lehigh Valley. Nah. Bacon. Yeah, Iron Pigs is pretty neat, though. Buffalo Bisons, you know, continuing with the whole Buffalo has to have a Bulls and Bills team in there. And when Buffalo comes here to Dayton, whether at UD or Wright State, I have to hold the urge to say Bills. You know, there's that. Gwinnett Braves. Indianapolis Indians, no, not part of Cleveland. That's Columbus, like I mentioned, part of Pittsburgh. Indianapolis for a long time was AAA of Cincinnati, though. There's a Syracuse Chiefs. Again, formerly, well, actually, double check it, formerly a Native American logo, but now it's a chief of a train. Once called the Sky Chiefs for a while, had a baseball bat that was a plane and a mouth, kind of like the old shark planes back then. It was really cool. That was 1997 they changed to Sky Chiefs. But 1961 through 96, they had a Native American logo. In fact, the last Syracuse Chiefs logo, according to the sportslogo.net, sportslogos.net, kind of looks like the Piqua Indians logo, or kind of like the new Dayton Flyers logo, too. It's kind of neat. That's a little bit about baseball. You can look at hockey, soccer, college logos in United States and Canada, because the guy that does it, he's a Canadian as his logo on the site. Half star, half maple leaf. Go and look at Wright State's logo, see if it's still, you know, 
flip-flopped around. And actually, no, it's not. It's got just the plain old one. Since it's May in 2001, though, that's not true. Technically, the logos were introduced in October 1997. But then again, he doesn't claim to have ownership of the logos. You know, if something's wrong, you can go and talk to him and, you know. By the way, if any Raider fans do go to sportslogos.net and talk to Chris Creamer, please tell him to put up the Viking Raider logo. Because that's a great logo. The world has to see it. It's got Raiders of the Lost Ark font. How can you not like it? Also, there's football logos, basketball logos, other sports logos, and resources. And I feel like this has just turned into a big episode going to sportslogos.net. But I guess I'll start wrapping it up here for episode 36. Just when you go to your games, wherever you work... For a team, you go there as a fan, you go there because, hey, sports, I like sports. Just wonder where the names come from. Going back to youth hockey, Indianapolis has a couple of organizations. One's affiliated with the ECHL Indy Fuel, which is called the Indiana Farmers Coliseum Home, which has Garfield on the roof, at least they think it does. Not the real-life Garfield, because Garfield's a comic strip, once voiced by Lorenzo Music. Those were the days. But there's also the Indianapolis Racers, which, if you go back in the day, it was one of the first teams that Wayne Gretzky played for. We're talking about good old hockey back in the day. Not quite goalies didn't wear mask type of hockey, but it's not too far away. In fact, Hare Arena was the first pro-game site for Wayne Gretzky as the racers took on the Cincinnati Stingers, which I see my friend Kevin has a Cincinnati Stingers logo. That logo's really cool. That bright yellow, too. It's really, really nice. Looks like a bee, because, you know, the Stingers logo was a bee. Can we bring up the fact that Cincinnati once had a soccer team called the Cincinnati Kids? How do you get that name? from for a soccer team the Cincinnati Kids you know there was a movie back then the Cincinnati Kid I'm trying to think if I actually watched that movie I don't think I ever did but yeah there's a team in Cincinnati called the Cincinnati Kids a lot of great hockey uh, well a lot of great hockey history in Cincinnati but soccer history too I mean FC Cincinnati you see the news and I'm not sure what's happening with the West Side site anymore, West End site by Ezra Charles. I don't know what's happening with that. There's still Oakley, and there's still Newport, Kentucky, although Kentucky's laws are a little bit different than the state of Ohio's. Obviously, it's a different state. But, yeah, FC Cincinnati is off to a 2-0 start. They took down the Charleston battery on the road and, for the first time, played in Indianapolis against the Indy 11. This year's playing at the home of the Indianapolis Colts of the NFL. And you can tell because one end of the pitch had Indianapolis in blue, the same font as the Colts have, and had the 2D helmet logo of the Colts, which I miss those. I don't know why. I always loved that logo for Cincinnati, and Cleveland for that matter. Just a flat helmet logo. Not the one that you can look inside. It's like, oh, this is where you put your head. No, the one just looking straight down the side. 
I told you this was going to be a long episode. This is a lot of babbling about logos and names and everything, and I don't know if I actually accomplished anything. Bengals' name's pretty neat, too. I mean, there was a football team in the 30s called Cincinnati Bengals. They had their own fight song. You can find it online. Touchdown, Bengals. Get some points upon the board and win a game for Cincinnati. It'd be nice if they win the Super Bowl, but don't hold my breath on there. This year might be okay, though, but that's long ways away. The red season just started. Cyclone's name, I don't know if that has any reverence to Cincinnati. Yes, we're in the Midwest, and yes, Senior got hit with a tornado back in the 70s, but I don't think there's any connection there. There was a Cyclone's team in the 90s, and then they took a break. I think they moved to Miami. Did they become the Miami Vice? Was that hockey or was that football? There was a team called the Miami Vice. And the Miami Hooters, if I remember right. Um, yeah. It's just I'm just now thinking about it. I mean, Dayton Demons. It was a team that was supposed to be called the Dayton Devils, but New Jersey, you know, they kind of have the monopoly on Devils and hockey. And then you had the Demolition... Which, you know, demolition happens everywhere. So, you can't point it to Dayton, but, you know, it was based on the owner's business. Just, it's just neat to think. I mean, Gems, Dayton Gems 1 and 2.0, based on Dayton being the gem city. That's why this podcast is called the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Gem being gem city, and crown being queen city. Trying to think of other logos before I just like meh, I'm done. Blue Jackets of Columbus, that was uh that's a name based on Columbus, Ohio's role in the Civil War. You know, Blue Jackets being the Union Army. And the Cannon too. Cannon's a classic. Trying to think of other names. I mean penguins aren't native to Pittsburgh, you know. White Sox aren't native to Chicago. Cubs aren't either, for that matter. Tigers aren't. Red Sox definitely aren't in Boston. Like I said, Red Stockings was the first pro team in Cincinnati. Then eventually they find their way to Boston. Line of Braves technically started off, I think, in Boston, then moved to Milwaukee, and then moved down to Atlanta. Atlanta had a team called the Flames that is actually based on an event in the Civil War. I think it was the burning of... Important South figure. I don't think it's Jefferson Davis, but it was named after a big event in Atlanta. And then they moved to Calgary, become the Calgary Flames. And Calgary, for their alternate captains, uses the old Atlanta Flame logo, which that's a classic. There's a lot of great logos out there. There's also a lot of not great logos out there, too. But I'm sticking with the ones that I like. I love the 90 through 96 Winnipeg Jets one. The Metro Jets, uh, former opponent of the Cincinnati Thunder and Dayton Falcons in the NA3HL, they won the cup just last week. But they use the word font of the current Winnipeg Jets, which is nothing like the logo of the 9096 one. Duh, if you pay attention to hockey now they also use the template of the old winnipeg jets blue jerseys and when metro was at south metro sports last year i was just like wow those jerseys are great and i like those i really do 
If you have any logos or team names or jerseys that you want to talk about, you know, around here that are cool, let's talk. We can make a second logo. It's about you, the fam. I guess I'll wrap things up. I'll keep it loco. The Dynamo. I'm not sure how the first Dynamo team got that name, but the second one is based off the first one about indoor soccer history. One of the longest-lasting soccer teams in the Gem City and bounced around from Hare Arena to the Nutter Center, which it's, it's neat to think that the Nutter Center once held indoor soccer the same time as Wright State basketball back in the Ralph Underhill days. Just looking at the old pictures of the first Raider basketball game, just filled to the brim, old type of scoreboard, not quite the hockey scoreboard that I knew, and definitely not the the cylinder-shaped one that's currently at the Nutter Center. It just... I don't know. This has been a weird history trip, because I bounced around so many, and I didn't keep it in Cincinnati and Dayton the entire time. I talked about logos, schools that, you know, have cool names. At least I tried to. But, just... Think about the logos and the names. I didn't talk about mascot suits. That might be for another episode. But if you have any cool names you want me to discuss, maybe talk history on, we can have a second logos and names episode on the Gem and the Queen's Crown. You know the usual address. Twitter, at the Lee W. Mowen. Facebook, the Lee W. Mowen. And... The Gem on the Queen's Crown on Facebook and Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter. That will wrap up episode 36. Hopefully episode 37 we'll have an interview with a book writer in town. But until things are finalized, that's the user address. Go follow me on social media. I definitely appreciate it. Episode number 36 in the books here on the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Thank you for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Acast, Radio Public, Anchor.fm, Radio Line, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbait.fm, and listen notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at The Lee W. Mowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by FreestockMusic.com. Music